Welcome to Teen Wealth Radio, a show just for teens, their parents, and educators to come together and discuss the issues that are affecting our youth today. Your host is Brandy England. Brandy is joined each week by amazing guests, as well as a regular panel of co-hosts who are here to give you ideas and encouragement every step of the way. We also have plenty of other surprises on today's show. So let's get started. Here's your host, Brandy England. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited for today's episode because we have one of my favorite people. She's an incredible blog writer, an incredible personality, and very, very successful at quite a young age. Uh, I'm excited to welcome Eddie Wade to the show. Hi, Eddie. Hey, thanks so much for the kind words and for inviting me on. Oh, of course. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. I know. I last know. Time we tried to get you on, there was technical difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I... I was, I've spent the last uh, couple of days kind of reading over your website and your blogging, and I love it. And I have about 100 questions to ask you about it because I, I really love what you write. I think you write oh very gosh. well. So yeah. sweet. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, can you just tell everybody a little bit about you, kind of like your history and your story and uh, how we even got to know each other at the beginning and where we're yeah. at now? <laughs> yeah. So I am a mental health counselor out of the state of Georgia. I practice, I'm part of a group in downtown Atlanta. Um, I have been practicing out of school for almost a little over a year and then have been practicing with like my internship and all that for two years. Um, My story to becoming a counselor is pretty great. I think I was not on track at all to do this. Um, I wanted to be a nurse and I had set out to be a nurse practitioner and I was going to work at the NICU and it was going to be great. And then um, into my second year in college, I had a really bad panic attack over the summer. Um, And I remember I was watching the Olympics and all of a sudden I just had started having a panic attack. Um, And I drove up to my school the next morning and I started getting my own counseling and I realized that the kind of work that I wanted to do with people was still healing, but it wasn't a physical kind of aid that I wanted to do. I really just wanted to help people emotionally and spiritually. And so um, after not getting into nursing school and changing my major like four times in a day, um, I landed on this major that's all about like helping people. I, um, I did my undergrad at the University of Florida. And then from there, I decided that I wanted to counsel. So the day after I graduated from my bachelor's, I enrolled, I was enrolled at Wake Forest and I started my master's. Um, and, and that's how I became a counselor. You and I met, uh, cause my husband owns a video production studio here in Atlanta too, called Trove Studio. Shout out. Woo woo. And, um, <laughs> We met and got connected and we're both really passionate about young adults and adolescents and getting messages out there. And so the hope um, is to get some good creative content out there to reach them. Amazing. Yeah. I, I remember when I first watched your video that you did for, I think it was Young Life. Is it Young Life? Yeah, you Young Life. Mm-hmm. And done a video for, I just, I was so touched by this couple minutes. Uh, that you guys had created, and I was like, these are the people that I want to work with. And then when I find out you're in mental health counseling and basically our nonprofit works with young people that are struggling with things like panic and anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. it was just, it was like the perfect match because your heart's in the right place and you're so talented, and I'm so excited that you're on, <laughs> on the show. So thank, oh, thank you once you. again. I'm so excited. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Okay, okay, so we have a lot of young people out there that are listening to this show. Could you explain mm-hmm. to them what it felt like when you had the panic attack? I just want them to realize, because some of them don't realize what that feels yeah. like. They just, they're not really sure. And so maybe they can hear your story and kind of relate and realize that a lot of people go through these things and it's okay and you can't overcome it. Yeah, so I am, first of all, well, you know this about me. I'm a details person. Um, I really set up imagery. (laughs) I'm a visual learner. And when I, you know, work with my clients, I use a lot of like figurative and metaphor language. So I'm going to try and not like babble on um, forever. (laughs) But basically, it's it's really crazy because I think the biggest, the first thing to talk about when it comes to like panic attacks is that the moment it starts into the moment it finishes, it gets like 
and psychologically, this is the case too. It like gets imprinted into your brain. And so I can remember what I was wearing. I can remember what I was doing. I can remember what I was seeing, hearing, because when we panic and we have like an intense um, surge of anxiety, our brains are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And so they will, um, it, it kind of creates like this new network, I guess is the best way to say it. And then mm-hmm. your body knows like, okay, when this happens, this is our flight or fight, you know, or freeze response. So I was laying down on the couch back in my hometown, Miami, Florida. Um, and it was the summer Olympics. I was watching the gymnastics meet or match, however you say it. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, I just had the thought, like, this person that I'm watching is a real person, and that person is going to die one day, and so am I. And I just went into this, like, crazy existential crisis. (laughs) But my heart started beating, my, um, my thoughts were racing, my breath was super short, and I just, my body felt like it wanted to run 100 miles per hour, and everything in my brain was saying, like, you can't do that. Because first of all, it's physically impossible. And second of all, where the heck are you going to go? Um, so I remember like starting to yell and my mom ran out and she's like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I'm freaking out and I don't know why. And I started hyperventilating. And that was kind of the first of maybe like six or seven big ones that I would have from um, the onset. And then I'll have like little baby panic attacks here and there. Um, or I just start like shaking my legs or, um, like, uh, I see a lot of times that with clients, they'll like smack their legs or, you know, they'll like hit a wall or something like that because of the energy inside of their bodies is so intense that they can't release it. Um, but that's basically in a eloquently delivered nutshell, <laughs> what a panic attack looks like for me personally, but it's also very common for these, uh, signs and symptoms in others. Absolutely. I'm, I remember when my brother first started having them due to his anxiety that he had, and it was literally, it wasn't just mentally manifest, but it was physically manifest to the point where he'd get ill. Like, he would lose yeah. the contents of his stomach just because it, it, and he would shake, and it was so horrible because it started when he was 11, and, wow. like, we didn't know how to help him deal with it, and he thought that he was, like, so different and so far removed from everyone else and that nobody would understand, and then he started to meet other right. young people that were kind of going through some of the same things, and it's it's just amazing how how powerful uh, anxiety mm-hmm. can be, and a panic attack mm-hmm. can be on on not only your body but mentally as well. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that the stomach issue with your brother because a lot of times, especially in like tweens and teenagers, gastro like GI issues always get diagnosed, and really a lot of times, what's at the root of the problem is anxiety. But in kids, it mimics gastrointestinal issues. And a lot of times we just start treating children for like acid reflux and really what they are experiencing is intense anxiety. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. What did you, what, was there anything that you were able to do that helped you to, to kind of calm some of that? What were any tips or tricks that you want to pass on to anyone listening who might be struggling with panic attacks? Yeah. Um... When I first started getting therapy um, and did, like, my own private work, I really, a lot of what we worked on was checking my thoughts and really examining them and saying, like, okay, what if, what here is actually based in reality? Because a lot of times fear, anxiety, excuse me, is the fear of the future or the fear of the unknown. So if we're saying that someone is incredibly fearful of like never getting married or never getting a job or not getting into college or being able to graduate from high school and like leave maybe a a dysfunctional family unit, um, we, our thoughts have a tendency to kind of fall into what are called cognitive distortions. That's like within the realm of a specific type of therapeutic approach called cognitive behavioral therapy and so these distortions what they basically do is they make our brains think that either the worst thing is going to happen that's called catastrophizing a lot of times we work in the black and white which means that we see things as one 
way or another, and it's very rigid and absolute. So when our brain starts doing this, we start wanting to solve the problem, and a lot of times these problems are not solvable in the moment. And so one thing that really helped me in my uh, treatment of improving my own anxiety symptoms was to check my thoughts and be like, okay, Eddie, what is realistic here? You know, if I never get married, I'm not going to, you know be stuck in a shed somewhere with 85 cats it's gonna be okay um and and (laughs) having to like stop and challenge my thoughts to be able to do that so that was one thing that was super helpful for me the trend as and I when I did my own therapy it was like six seven years ago and I'll go ongoing you know but it's just more for maintenance than it is for symptom reduction um but now in therapy the trend and a lot of evidence supports what's called mindfulness practices so that's really encouraging people to be in the current moment so the way that I use this with some of my teenage clients is to tell ask them to tell me five things that they can hear see smell touch and taste and the taste one is kind of hard for them because you know they're in a room and they're not going (laughs) to grab like my cushion and start licking it but um I'll just have them examine you know what's going on in the room in the moment and then I also do this thing and I do this myself and I love it and it's so funny because um it's become such a thing in our household that if I start getting anxious or freak out my husband will start it for me and I have to like I almost get annoyed when he does it because I'm like, dang it, you're using my skill on me before I even (coughs) use my skill on me. (laughs) But it's counting up to 10. So you start off at one and you go one, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, all the way up to 10. So that's mindfulness counting. You could do it with steps, um, checking your steps and um, counting, you know, how many steps it takes you to get from your bedroom to the kitchen or from your friend's house, you know, to school, anything like that. Mindfulness is a huge, huge efficacious way of um, coping with anxiety when it starts to become panic. And what about the physical stuff? Is there, um, uh, I know your mind controls a lot of the physical stuff as well, but is there, like, I know this sounds kind of funny, but my brother would drink a lot of milk, and that helped calm his stomach, Uh and then that led to health problems later on. But we have about 30 (laughs) seconds before we go to the break, but is there any one tip or thing you can think of that you might have done or you could suggest for that kind of thing? Yeah, they're actually called tip skills, and it's um, temperature, uh, breathing, pace breathing, and a lot of times you just grab a towel with really cold water and you just put it on your face or you can jump in the shower um, or drink a really, really cold water. And that kind of helps with a lot of the uh, psychosomatic physical symptoms. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, we're yeah. going to head off to a commercial break for just a couple minutes. And then when we get back, I really want to delve into your blog. Some of the writing that you have done is just incredible. And I couldn't stop reading all 47 pages of it. So, Oh my we'll gosh. Just a Yours moment, everyone. <laughs> okay. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. 
Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at GlobalTeenWealth.com. That's Brandy with an I at GlobalTeenWealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I know you've already probably learned a ton from Eddie. And Eddie, thank you again for being here with us. Um, I've been poring over your blog for the last couple of days, and I love your writing. How did you learn to write so awesome? (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know if I have a compelling answer to that question. Um, I was always a super nerdy kid, and I loved to read um, a lot. And I think one of the things that always drew me to specific types of writing was accessibility when I felt like I really understood or could hear um, the voice of the author then I felt really connected to them and so when I decided that I wanted to start writing and kind of sharing things with um, my peers I I really wanted to be accessible to them and to make the jargon of psychotherapy less overwhelming and more about, you know, just applying skills and acquiring skills for everyone to have better wellness uh, in their lives. Well, I I have to say, I really appreciate that because, um, I don't know, sometimes it's hard because I try and do a lot of learning on my own because I wasn't great at university. And uh, so when I try and do the learning on my own, a lot of the words frighten me. It's like reading Shakespeare for a lot of us. We're just trying to find out answers for our questions and our problems so you're writing it it literally is like we're having a conversation when I read your writing and that's so hard to achieve for a lot of people so I do appreciate the way that you write it's awesome oh, thank you that's awesome yeah I am um, I have like a love-hate relationship with self-help books because I think sometimes their overall messages are great but they're either way too like basic, here's a one, two, three step for how your life can improve in 15 seconds. And after you read your, this book, you're going to be a millionaire and everything's going to be great. And I think that gives a little bit of false pretense. And then other times they're like way too complex. And you're right, like super overwhelming Shakespearean. And you're like, I don't know how to use this information and apply it into my life right now while I'm at the line in a line, you know, grabbing coffee or waiting for my bus to pick me up, you know, or in the car on the way home from school. Um, So I really try to make my pieces uh, something that someone can just read quickly and kind of get the nuggets from it and feel like they can do immediate action in application. So I do... Before we jump into some of the serious stuff, I do have to giggle a little bit because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, and you mentioned Harry Potter several times in your blog. My gosh, Are you a fan like or <laughs> every single every single blog? It's kind of a problem. I'm a Harry Potter nerd. I've have had this desire to get like a sleeve tattoo for years, and that's just all Harry Potter. Um, and the only thing that's kept me from pulling the trigger is that um, it ain't cheap. <laughs> Otherwise, there'd be like tat- I'd be tatted up with Harry Potter all over my entire body and never be taken seriously again. <laughs> are, are you aware that Pottery Barn just came out with an entire line of Harry Potter stuff? I saw that, and my friends um, tagged me on 
Facebook, and that's basically what my future child's entire room nursery life is going to look like. I'm actually rereading the books in the illust- with the illustrated versions, and um, my husband got me one as a surprise, the first one, and I about fell over my chair, like, started crying when I saw the images. It's, it's really intense, and it's the side of me that, like... <laughs> I use a lot of Harry Potter metaphors in my therapeutic work and several times in my sessions my phone has gone off because I've forgotten to put it on silent and it's uh, Hedwig's theme and whenever my clients find out that I like Harry Potter it they almost like respect me more it's a way it's a way of life it's a it's a language Harry Potter <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness I love it Oh man. Um, so, so how did you get started on blogging? I, I kind of went to the very bottom first and started from the beginning. I think it was August of 2015 or 2016 that you started. Yeah, I have, uh, man, I've started and stopped a lot of times. And I think, and this is, if I could get anything across to whoever is listening, um, is that no matter how silly or weird or off something sounds about something we want to do, I think we should just do it. Because what kept me from really diving in and starting it when I really wanted to start it, which was several years ago, was this idea that nobody would want to read it. Everyone would think like, oh, who is she to say, you know, that she knows what we need to hear or you know I was afraid that I'd post it on Instagram and I'd get like negative six likes and then figure out like how on earth that's even possible um and so it really was a a courage thing for me was to start doing this and and what prompted me to start incremental specifically was that I had word vomit every single time I talked to someone about counseling and counseling practices. I mean, this have being on your show right now is a perfect way for my crazy nerdy counselor side to just be fully justified and talking about this for a full hour. But if I could, I'd spend, you know, six, seven hours. I could just talk about anything. I have a lunch and learn that I'm doing in November for, um, a social media marketing company. And I could, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to talk about because I want to jam it all into it. And I know that I can't. Um, so when I started realizing that this was all I wanted to talk about with my friends and I wanted to help them acquire the things that I was learning in school, um, because we don't teach this stuff in schools, in public schools. It's not something that's common to sit there and say like, okay, what are warning signs and triggers of anxiety and depression and stress and self-esteem? Um, and I didn't think that it was fair that I could spend, you know, full-time class schedule on this. And then my friends who didn't really need therapy, but still needed some support and help didn't have access to this kind of information. Um, So that's really what launched Incremental was this idea that I wanted to share with um, my peers and their friends and their family, some practical accessible ways to improve wellness in their daily living without feeling like they were at a point where they needed counseling or to get on medication um, and just have something that they can use as their daily toolbox for how they could live a life worth living and work towards that. I love that. So um, at the very top of your website, it says that you're applying counseling practices to everyday life. So you just talked a little bit about translating like the Shakespearean stuff. How do you how do you simplify how complicated counseling can become, especially when in school, to break it down so that it makes sense for everyday life? Like that's a, that seems like a very ambitious thing to do and you're doing it. So <laughs> so kind of how, how do you do that? How do you, especially with someone who might experience a little anxiety once in a while from different things? That's that's a that's a pretty awesome task for you to undertake because you're helping other people. So yeah, curious. Um, yeah, I think that when I, so my first counseling experience, the place where I did my internship was such an amazing learning experience and it's, um, it's an intensive outpatient program. So basically 
uh, people who have very severe anxiety, depression, bipolar, um, some personality disorders, they'd come to this facility and they'd kind of, it'd be kind of school. They would be there from the hours of 10 to 4 um, or 11 to 3 and they just go to group after group after group after group. And I think that maybe like a few weeks into it, I started um, leading or facilitating an anxiety management group and a self-esteem group. Um, and I would look at the curriculum and the outline of what it was that I needed to express. And I really just would ask myself, like, what is the bottom line here? And what's going to be the most helpful way to deliver that bottom line? And ever since then, and getting feedback from clients that what I was presenting to them was, excuse me, accessible and achievable, um, I really tried then to be conscientious of the way that I delivered it. So even in my therapeutic sessions, I am very um, colloquial with my clients, especially my young um, teenagers. I have a few um, 14, 15-year-olds, and I really try and kind of get on their level. I let them teach me stuff. Like the other day, I found out what a Snapchat streak is, which, my gosh, I am old. I have no idea what that is. Hold up. I'm 32. I'm 33 in a couple weeks. How old are you again? 25? I'll be 26 in April. Well, you're officially making me feel even older. (laughs) Can you explain what a Snapchat streak is so I'm in the know too? (laughs) So a Snapchat streak, according to my 15-year-old, is when you Snapchat one person consistently for several days in a row. And the higher your streak is, the cooler you are, essentially. And so my client basically told me that he got grounded and gave his friend his login for his Snapchat so he could keep his streak growing. <laughs> okay, so we, I was we like, have okay, talked to... Okay, this is a thing we do. <laughs> we... We've talked to a few of our other guests that have been on about the effects of social media on young people. What do you think mm-hmm. the effects of social media are in terms of anxiety, depression, and things like that, just kind of from your counseling background? Do you see that playing a big part in your oh, in yeah. your young people's lives? Oh, yeah. And I uh, a few, a couple of months ago, I think it was, there was a story on like every, it was on New York Times, ABC, like basically any periodical journalistic medium had a version of the story, which I think was that Instagram is the leading cause in teen depression. Um, They measured all the social media uh, apps. My gosh, I'm just aging myself as I keep talking about this. (laughs) But they looked at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and they basically ranked them in terms of how terrible they are for... Uh, mental health prospects and Instagram by far is number one in being associated with teen depression and teen anxiety and it it totally makes sense because as we get more and more evolved with the way that we do technology we start to make it really easy to compare ourselves to the Joneses and Every picture, every swipe, every story, every like is another opportunity for us to compare ourselves and say, you know, my gosh, they look so great or they have the nicest clothes or they're so popular. They're so well liked. How come I'm not getting that much feedback and um, adoration from my peers? And it just is a consistent reminder that someone is always going to be prettier, smarter, better, um, funnier more educated than you. Um, And it is a total, it's a heartbreak, you know, for a a teenager who's like trying to figure out who they are and their identity to then have to look at something that instantly pops up as uh, something that they need to attain. And it may not be achievable for them because if your family has a low socioeconomic status or you are really a nerd and everyone who gets... um, liked as a jock, you know, if we're going to use those stereotypical labels, then you are just setting yourself up for incredible disappointment. And those things lead to situational depression and adjustment disorders. And if they're not getting taken care of, that's what leads to generalized anxiety disorder, major depression, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, so you just mentioned um, about comparing ourselves to others and our levels of success. I read your one blog that was about your quarter life crisis, and I really like that because you're at exactly <laughs> that spot if we all live to 100 at 25. And in one right. spot, you actually wrote that we have to quit comparing ourselves to others, and then you made a note to remind yourself not to do that as well. And I just, <laughs> I, I loved that because it's, I think we all do it so much, especially when we're in high school. Like I've been six foot tall, 200 pounds with curly red hair and crooked teeth since I was 13 years old. I went through my growing spurt very early, and so I was not the stereotypical petite, blonde, cute, skinny little. I I didn't have any of that, and so I compared myself to everyone else and had low such self-worth. It wasn't until I was 17 and moved to Brazil by myself, and I was the stereotypical type of what they liked in a woman there, tall, big booty, (laughs) all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm, big hair, mm -hmm. that I all of a sudden went, wow, it's just where I come from that I don't fit in, quote unquote. So I love when you talked about quarter-life crisis, we have about two minutes before we have to go to another break, but can you kind of explain what that is from your side? Yeah, um, this is something for all you teens to look forward to, (laughs) but essentially it's uh, the notion that uh, existential crises and our way of questioning our lives, our identity, our worth, we're getting younger and younger when we start to do this. And so before it used to be the midlife crisis and the stereotype was that there'd be a balding man in a Corvette um, spending lots of money in a casino because he was having his midlife crisis. Well, now for young adults, because there is this new transition transitory period called emerging adulthood between graduating high school, going to college, and then going into the quote-unquote real world, we are told that we have every single possibility. We could do whatever we want. We could achieve whatever we want. But your next-door neighbor or the kids on your bus are being told the same exact message. And so once you get to that age in your mid-20s, early, you know, 24, 25, 26, you start to realize, like, wait a minute, if everyone is special, then I'm not special. And if everyone can achieve greatness, what's the difference between the greatness that I achieve and somebody else's greatness? And so a lot of what we're seeing, especially in young adults, is uh, this crazy, like, hamster wheel need to go to yoga and get coffee every day and go to brunch and start a business and find uh, create a nonprofit and make your own almond milk and only shop thrift and be super trendy and on the times to the point where we burn ourselves out and to the point where we experience what's called imposter syndrome, which is this notion that you're fake. Um, no matter what you do, you're kind of just wearing a mask and you're going through the motions. And so the quarter life crisis is when all that kind of life stuff hits you and you realize that you've been kind of doing the things that you've been told to do because you've been told to do them without really having a motivator or a reason behind your why. Um, And then that causes a lot of fear and anxiety for young adults. Yeah, I, 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 a lot of us now are pushing, like through Teen Wealth, we, we talk about be an entrepreneur, follow the life of your dreams, all that kind of stuff. But there are some people that would like to go through the quote unquote normal life as well, where they go to college, graduate, right. get a job, et cetera. And I think we're sometimes we're trying so hard to push what we want on young people that we're not saying, hey, what works for you? So right. I'm glad that you brought that up. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have got through 498 of the questions I wanted to ask, so we'll <laughs> so we'll come back to the other 502 as soon as we get back from this break, Eddie. Thank you again so Sounds much. We'll great. be back in just a couple minutes. <laughs> of course. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Hey you, yeah you, are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. 
We are real. Real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to brandy at globalteenwealth.com. That's brandy with an I at globalteenwealth.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I did want to point out that I haven't actually given out Eddie's website yet. So, Eddie, could you tell everyone your website so they can start reading this blog and follow you like crazy like I'm about to start doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's www.incremental.care. So, incremental.care. Beautiful. I'll um, I'll get your social media links too up on our Teen Wealth Facebook and all that. I did submit them already, so they'll be out there for people to find you as well. Awesome. But this is again Eddie Wade, E D I W A D E is her name. Mm-hmm. If you want to look her up on Facebook or or follow on her on her website, because she has some great content on there. Um, I think it was your latest blog that you talked about a group for young women who sit around at the beginning, you kind of talk about some fun stuff, and then you get into some really in-depth stuff. Could you tell us what that process has been like and why it started, and did you start it, and just a little bit about that? Yeah, um, it is probably the highlight with every, within my every two weeks. Um, so like I previously mentioned, I used to be at an inpatient facility. I actually worked there for a little bit after um, I finished my internship. And I loved the group process so much that I didn't want to lose that opportunity uh, after getting into a private practice. So when counselors go into private practice, they usually just see individuals, couples or families. And it's, you know, within the block hour, you take someone back, you have your session, they leave, you kind of take someone else back. And um, I was really starting to miss group. And I knew that that I wanted to do a group. Um, I just wasn't sure what I, re- I wanted the content to be. And the more I started writing on incremental, the more that my friends uh, would say stuff like, man, I wish that, you know, I could just talk to a bunch of ladies about this. And then my clients started to echo that too. Um, And there was a specific session where one of my clients said, you know, if I knew that other people were going through something similar with me, I feel like I would be at a better place to be vulnerable and to share my story with others. And that was kind of the catalyst for this uh, young uh, adult women's group. So I lead it uh, with a very dear friend who's also an amazing therapist, um, And we meet in my little group room every other Wednesday, and we just talk about what it's like to have just finished this phase of schooling, right? Here in uh, the States, it's 
uh, kindergarten through 12th grade and then people opt to go to college or they'll go into a trade uh, immediately after. And so um, a lot of times what we're finding is that there's that right after college or high school phase that not very many people shed a lot of light onto. And there are things and problems that are unique to that age group. Um, and so right now we're talking about families and the impact that families have on our belief systems, on the way that we look at ourselves, on the way that we make decisions. Um, and it's, it's a call to process group. And so what that means is that we just sit down and we take the experience that we're bringing into that room at that moment. And we kind of process through what it looks like to experience these things, to share these things with each other, and then to figure out how with listening to each other's stories, validating, asking questions, we can start kind of changing the tide and deciding how we then want to make decisions move forward in life. Um, and that's different from what's called a psychoeducational group where the group meets and they basically only learn, you know, theory, the, the Shakespearean stuff that we were talking about, the jargon, um, and then uh, have like homework assignments throughout the time. So it's an hour and a half. There's um, eight of us, including my co-facilitator and I, and we just really let, I really let my clients do the work. And so wherever they kind of take a theme, we come into the session with a theme for that day and whatever they kind of start um, getting triggered by or wanting to discuss, that's kind of where the conversation goes. And it's so incredibly enriching. It's something that I really want to incorporate into my practice and that I could even see like building into workshops in the future and really helping schools change the way that the group looks like. Because I think right now when we talk about group work, we always have the idea of that one person doing all the work for everyone and not getting the credit or fighting about what color the poster should be. Um, and if we really started doing group work the way that group therapy happens, I think there'd be less room for comparison, competition, one-upsmanship, um, and we could really do what I think the point of those activities are, which is to elicit, you know, collaboration and sharing ideas and getting to know each other um, in community. I, you, you, I'm glad you finished that whole thing with the word community because I, I find that when I'm struggling with my own self-worth or anything, as soon as I find someone like a community that can I can kind of talk about with, with all of a sudden I feel normal again because we all just need to, I know that sounds so funny, but we all just need to find someone else who's kind of going through similar things that we are and can kind of understand and, and it fosters empathy and helps people overcome. How, how do you find that this group has helped you grow personally? Oh man, that is such a great question. I leave, and I will say this, and a lot of counselors will say this too, I feel like I learn probably more than my clients learn from me, I learn from them. Um, and really, you know, a lot of things, and I do this on incremental too, right? And I, when I talk to my clients, I say, like, we're on the same boat, right? Like, you and I, we're, we're, on, we're on the same journey, we're taking the same ride. The only difference is that I've been taught to ask, what would it look like if we made a left turn versus a right turn, right? And what would it look like if we stopped here at this juncture? And so for me, it's really important for my clients to know that a lot of times I'm working on these things myself and there are things that I think um, I've seen improve my life. And so when it's, a, it's exactly like you said, when you hear someone else say, I went through this same thing, I feel the way that you're feeling, and then they can speak to how they overcame it, then that is so much more profound and permanent than someone just shouting advice at you or telling you what to do. Um, so for me personally, this group has really helped me grow in my confidence as a clinician. It's helped me become a better friend and a better listener. Um, it also has helped me come out of my shell more where I feel like um, this last year or two, and really it's been a lot of 2017, I've really started to come to my own and have a really good sense of who I am as a person. And I think sometimes we don't, 
We expect our young people to know immediately, like coming out of high school or college, who they're supposed to be, what they're going to do for the rest of their lives, who they're supposed to be with, who they're supposed to love, how they're supposed to love that person. And it is like a life, it's a lifelong journey. I am not the same person that I was one year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I've seen my husband change a lot since we've been married. I've seen friends grow, you know, my friends are starting to have babies. Like being a parent is completely different from being a teenager um, or a young adult starting to know and control, you know, how much they drink, who they talk to, where they go, how they want to spend their free time. Um, So I've learned so much about myself and have allowed myself to become vulnerable Um, And vulnerability is so important for connection and community. So um, I like that you just kind of talked about where your friends are at in life. And I saw this really funny meme not too long ago that said, I'm at a stage in my life right now where half of my friends are married with kids and my other half are throwing up every Friday night from drinking and partying too hard. And it's, it's weird to kind of find your social group sometimes when you're in your 20s because it's like half, of, half the people are partying. But it kind of goes back to your quarter-life crisis that you were talking about and how we all have a different speed of a success. We all have to stop judging each other or ourselves on where we're at in our lives because it, it mm-hmm. will work out when it's supposed to work out. At least that's what I believe. You have to go through mm-hmm. the struggles and all that kind of stuff. We only have about five minutes left, and I still have so many more questions to ask you, but... <laughs> I really wanted to ask about self-care. You had a whole article about self-care for young adults. Yeah. And um, and um, I was just kind of wondering if you could give three or four tips in the last four minutes of the show just about self-care for a young person and where they can mm-hmm. turn. And we'll probably have to have you back on the show at some other point because this was just too much fun. And Ben, if you're out yeah. there listening, I love your wife. She's awesome. <laughs> Um, I would love to, and I'm ready, ready to book whatever Monday nights to, to have that happen. Um, what you guys are doing is awesome. And I would love to be a part of that mission. Um, yes, self-care is super important. And I don't think that we educate our youth enough of why it matters. We talk a lot about burnout. We talk a lot about the imposter syndrome, but we never talk about how it is that we help our young people do that. And a lot of what is the culprit of that is that we think that we are, and really what we're doing is causing more pressure, more stress, more anxiety. So a lot of times parents will say, well, my daughter's in ballet, or she's in soccer, and my son is playing the flute, and so that's their self-care. They're doing their fun activity, and they're engaging in something they love. But a lot of times within that space, it still becomes a lot about comparing yourself, having the pressure to perform well, be the star child so that your parents are in that front row taking pictures and clapping obnoxiously, right? So I think we get the idea of what it means to take care of yourself, but we just don't know how to execute it in a vacuum outside of uh, comparisons and doing something because that's what the world is telling us to do versus something that we really enjoy. Uh, so if I had to make them into little tips, kind of like I do on, um, my art in my article is, is it's, it seems like they're pretty uh, simple and straightforward and it's just the execution, right? And the, the boundaries that we build around it, that's really important. So I talk about building boundaries around me time, which is just saying in this space, I've allotted one, two hours to say, these are for these next two hours, all I'm going to do is take care of myself, do something that I enjoy something that helps me get into what we call the flow, which is this phenomenon where you basically lose track of time and your surroundings because you're so engaged in whatever that activity is that you're like almost one with the activity. And so I will say to um, my coworkers or my husband, like, hey, from 9 to 11 on Friday mornings, all I'm doing is playing the drums or getting my nails done or going for a run, something that I feel like recharges me and fuels me. Um, I think a lot of times parents pick the activities that they want their kids to do 
and and it, the motivation behind it and the intention behind it is always great. You know, they want their children to learn and explore, um, but sometimes we forget that we're unique and we have different interests. And so sometimes karate might not be something that a child wants to engage in. And so really having a conversation with your young adult, your young teenager and saying, what is it that you have always wanted to do and what do we need to do to get you there? So I didn't grow up um, affluent and just now I'm 25 and I was laughing at myself because this past Saturday, I just did a drum recital and I felt so silly because I was like one of the oldest people there and everybody else was like little Susie who was eight and Jimmy who was 10 and there was this kid on the bass like rocking it out and I'm here like playing one song barely well and and doing it. But when we really just look at what we've always wanted to do and we just put ourselves out there and we do it, it's so much more rewarding than doing what we think we have to do. And I think the biggest, biggest, biggest tip that I have for self-care is to prioritize it and start now. So often we're like, oh yeah, I'll get that massage when I get my paycheck or I'll go hang out at my friend's house when I finish studying for this exam um, or I'll have that ice cream after I lose 15 pounds. And what we have to start learning is that our bodies, the function that they're in right now is in the current space. So if I'm not taking care of myself and my body right now, then there's going to be no difference from doing it, you know, two years from now, because the body that I'm working with is the one that I have in this very moment. So self-care as soon as possible is the best way to get in the habit of it and start training yourself and remind yourself like you're important and you matter. Yeah, and you have worth. And so you should take care of yourself. <laughs> Gosh, completely. And there's so many of us that don't tell ourselves that at all. And we're so busy worrying about everything outside of ourselves. I love that. Like, right. I, I think if I didn't get my nails done every two weeks and get my foot massage and stuff like that, that I wouldn't, you know, I, it's, it's so funny that those yeah. little things add up to so much mm-hmm. in the end. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the end of the hour, Eddie. I'm so sad to lose oh you because I, I still have two pages of questions from your blog <laughs> that I would love to ask you. <laughs> we'll have to do it again. That went by really fast. It usually does. So to anyone out there listening, I know that Eddie's words have probably given you some whole new idea or maybe given you more questions, but please check out our blog. It's www.incremental.care. I'll put it on the Global Team Wealth website. You can reach out to me anytime at one 855 That's 8336. And uh, I'll be happy to answer. And again, Eddie, thanks to everyone out there. We'll see you again next week. Same time, same place. Thank you. Thanks for being part of Teen Wealth Radio. Please join your host, Brandy England, her guests, and panel of experts again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you here for the next show.